the Buddha described the path that leads to freedom as the liberation of the heart, which is love. I've sat with that, a question of what that means in my life for some time now. The liberation of the heart, which is love. Or the heart's sure release, sometimes you would call it. When I began the metta practices of loving kindness, compassion, I just kept coming into contact with what was in the way you know there was just walls that I couldn't find I couldn't uh, touch the tenderness in my heart that's when I started uh, doing forgiveness practices because it was a process for me and that's where I needed to begin kind of softening I was pretty confused about it because I didn't understand how you could forgive and not forget you know I was like trying to be loyal to uh, the places in me that never wanted to repeat such acts that never wanted acts repeated to me like that. So it's a very confusing part of my process. A lot of times they'll liken the Buddhist path to this bird. And uh, the two wings of that bird are wisdom and compassion. And it flies toward freedom. So if we break it down into the practice, we see... There's two questions that we sit with. What's happening? That's the wisdom part. Can we hold it with kindness or compassion? That's the compassion part. So forgiveness for me began as a deep act of compassion. Even non-violence as metta began softening my heart, I was, at first I had to kind of like tenderize the grounds a little bit with that compassion, you know, um, the compassion of touching something that was painful and allowing that natural response of caring for that pain to emerge. So forgiveness is not pretending that it didn't happen, that it didn't hurt us, yeah, that it didn't matter. But it was only through this honest acknowledgement, this, what is it to care for a wound? It almost felt like all these years I had been running from it. 
How is that caring for something? Uh, punishing myself because of these things. So what is it to be with the truth of our past? Whatever's, whatever's there for us, you know? And allow it to be transformed as we touch it. I talked about it the first day, about how it's kind of like holding a beach ball underwater, you know? As long as we hold it underwater, it's just trembling, just waiting. It's like a boogeyman almost, right? But when we allow it to when we admit it into existence, then it becomes part of everything else. And that means it has a birth, a life, and a death. But as long as it stays under the surface, it doesn't seem to die. So I just came into contact with a lot of repressed memories that didn't seem to be going anywhere. I've been with them for years. How was what the Buddhist path was asking me to do, how was that different than just suffering under the yoke of them? That's what I want to kind of focus on tonight. That's why no matter where you are in the process, we ask, are you caring for that then? Whether it's the numbness or the anger or the denial or the whatever it is, it's like, Okay, I hear that this is what it feels like and then we get a chance to really like care about that. This is the practice, you know, and it's so simple that people just want another answer. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, no, I get that whole part, but uh, can you cut to the last page where you actually give me something useful, <laughs> you know? That is the most useful thing we have. Yeah. I talked a little bit about it today, about uh, forgiveness feels like, you know, I don't want to let that person off the hook. You know? They don't deserve it. The question becomes, do we? You know, we're the only ones that, you know, this has nothing to do with the other person. They may not even know you're angry. You know, we have, yeah, this is about the freedom. How do we feel in our own hearts? Do we feel free? Or is there a lot of uh, walls or prisons that we live inside of? So forgiveness is uh, about refusing to live with a closed-off heart. I remember the, the Dalai Lama, you know, he meets all these pilgrims coming over the Himalayas, you know. And this uh, old man showed up and you know, obviously had just walked well, however hundred miles, hundreds of miles through the high passes of the world. And he showed up and uh, he told the story of torture and being frostbitten and people dying on the trail and his journey. And His Holiness just looked at him and he goes, you know, is there any point that you were in real danger? And he said, yeah. He's like, the moment I started hating the Chinese, this is the moment of real danger for me because 
this is the moment we become estranged from our own hearts. Right? Once we let that in, then we're not free. And he, he recognized that. All the Buddhist teachings are all about freedom from suffering. As I talk about forgiveness, a lot of times what comes up for people is like, you know, I'm, I might be able to forgive this person. But what does that have to do with like our, my relationship with them? You know, a lot of people can hear this and say, you know, never again will I let that person in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's different. That's a whole different thing. Forgiveness has nothing to do with letting someone in your house. Nothing to do with staying in an abusive relationship. We still get to say what's acceptable or not acceptable. We're just refusing to live in a closed-off place in our hearts. So we still have to set up the conditions to where we can be free. We don't want to stay. We're not a welcome mat just because we have a practice. People think that sometimes, you know. It's like, hey, I thought you were Buddhist. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> means I don't have a say on how I think things should be. I can't call bullshit on you. That's what it means. I'm just going to practice with whatever. Do whatever you want to me. I'm Buddhist. And we talked a little bit about today about not getting caught up in the story of it, right? How it shouldn't have happened, how it wasn't right, how they were wrong, how we were wrong, whatever it was, right? This is getting lost in the story. This is how it manages to live within us for years and never have any movement. Because we're still denying that it ever happened on some level. If you're caught in that, it's still, uh, what happens is, th there's a distance that happens, because now it's, you're thinking about it. You're not feeling it, you're thinking about it. And as soon as you, it's actually a, I've done a emotional, like emotional intelligence work for years, and it's a way you can get somebody out of their feelings. You just ask them any question that has to do with their brain, like, you know, how many toes would be on ten people? What happens if you choke a Smurf? You know, that anything like that, right? You can ask them a question, and then it just kind of like gets them out of their feelings, and they have to think for a minute. You know, I mean, three fruits that begin with B. You know, and they're just like, yeah, and they come up out of their feelings and into their heads. You know, if you want to get somebody to stop crying, that's what you do. So in this, we're trying to get you to continue to feel whatever's there, right? Even if it's numbness, even if it's frustration, even if it's anger, feel what's there to be felt. And then the head comes in. It's just like, hey, yo, check this out, money. This ain't even working, bro. Everybody else, everybody else is killing it. You ain't, you ain't doing it right. You know what I mean? It's just like, keep coming back. From all the voices. Hmm. Forgiveness comes at the moment where we give up. The moment it becomes more important for us to be free than it does to be right. You know what I mean? Because there's a moment. In that, in that instance, we're still 
arguing the case of how we're right. It's like, cool, you want to be right or free? You know what I mean? That's the moment we're in. Always, you know? You know, Ajahn Chah, the cat who really kind of like ran the lineage that uh, I kind of adhere to. You know, he used to just walk around and ask people, uh, you know, happy or suffering, you know? And if they said happy, oh, free, free. And if they said suffering, attached, attached. I mean, it was just like matter of fact. He was really cool about it. Yeah, Yeah. you get to be that. How's that working out? You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even a judgment. It was just like a fact. Yeah, man. I keep bringing up this metaphor of... um, we're arguing a case, and I kind of think of it like that, like it's a court case. But, and we're, you know, and we're still like on the witness stand, you know, giving our testimony of how this person is wrong. But we're paying like these court costs, you know, like it's, it's really, it's just like, yo, bro, these lawyers cost a lot of money, bro. I mean, all we're saying is, beyond the mild delusions of your mind, this thing happened, right? Like, it actually happened. So there's there's just no way to, like, change that. So it's like, okay, man, I'm ready to accept that these things happened. I know they shouldn't have, you know, we could cut right back to that. Come on back. It's okay. I mean, it takes us literally... To the edge of what we can accept. Right? And that's where our freedom is. That's the fence. That's the fence. Whatever we can accept, we're freed. Whatever we can't, this part of me is not lovable, that part of them sucks, whatever it is. It's just like, oh yeah, man. See all that all that territory out there we can't be in. Because uh, we can't accept something about it, you know? I mean, you've seen it here. You've seen it even on this hillside. There's parts of this that you don't like. Whatever they are. You know, there's parts that maybe you think should be different. There's parts that I think should be different. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, yeah, whatever about these things. But, you know, I secretly have these feelings of like, eh, I can't believe it's actually raining. (laughs) I mean, does it just stay raining? (laughs) It's like there's actually nothing wrong with the rain at all, beside that I slipped and busted my ass yesterday. (laughs) But it's like, you know, inherently the rain is not good or bad. It just is. You want to create suffering around it? Is that what you want to do with your time here? We've got like a few days. You want to just kind of focus on everything, all the ways you could make this better? Yeah, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? It's Jack Cornfield's words. Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. He was my main teacher. 
Sometimes when he says things like that, I want to punch him dead in the chest. Because, you know, it stings. It's just like, oh, you know. That writer free one, that was like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, oh. But it's not about the other person. It's not even about their behavior. It's about our freedom. And, uh, you know, I get into this thing sometimes where it's just like, well, look, man, I never heard nobody like that. You know, I've done a lot of terrible things, but I never done what was done to me. And that was like an important point for me, you know? And then there came a time where I was just like so grateful that I was never that confused, that I was never that scared or whatever it was that allowed these people to do things like that. So there's a lot of gratitude that came up around that. Because there's no scoreboard here, there's no comparing. When our heart begins to shut down, we, we become like imprisoned by our past. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know? Like I had a pretty dramatic childhood. So if we shared, uh, you know, me and the average person, they would be like, oh shit, man, you actually have been through a lot of stuff, but it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter what kind of background you came from. It's just like, yo, man, we all hold on to stuff. We all make stuff our fault. We all have stuff connected to self-blame and self-judgment, and, and we all have a lot of pressure on us. You know what I mean? Those, those things are pretty uh, real across the board. So it's important to not get caught up in the, the drama of the details, you know? They can be a way to distance us. If I share the details with you and you're just like, yeah, you actually probably shouldn't forgive them people. You know what I mean? It gets real tricky. And the, the mechanism here that's at play is that my heart is trying to protect me. Right? Biologically, we're putting armor around the heart because we've been hurt. So it's just like, yo, bro. Don't let that happen again. The problem with that is what we are actually seeking to protect it from is in here with us. It's so bananas. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it just doesn't even make sense. You understand bananas. <laughs> is that a Buddhist term? It is a Buddhist term. It's Pali. I didn't like it. <laughs> When we lock the door, the trauma is inside. And if we lock the door, who else could have the key? You know, I talked about this conditional forgiveness, you know? Like if they would just, if they would just apologize, if they would just not do it again, if they would just, uh, whatever the case is, this just still gives them the power. I read it today, it is Catherine Ponder. When you hold resentment toward another, you're bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. So it's 
it's a bit counterintuitive to our biology that's trying to protect us. Because most of us just kind of live in a lightweight revenge model. And even in the Buddhist world, right? You know, we, you know their karma will catch up with them, you know? <coughs> we, we better hope not. You know? Near the end of the Cold War, Boris Yeltsin had a whole room full of American politicians. And I mean, they, they start pretty uncomfortably. So he didn't need to do much to make them uncomfortable. They're very uncomfortable people. And so they're sitting around waiting for him, and he's just kind of like hanging back, and they're sweating, and he comes out, and he's like, we've done something terrible. And they're all just tripping out, like looking at each other. What, what is this, you know? And he said, we're going to deprive you of an enemy. That may have been the most profound thing I'd ever heard a politician say. I mean, that's deep. I mean, think about how deep that is. Right? Because if I'm not hating my father or whatever it is for me, right? If I don't have anything to push against, if I, if I can't be angry and fight anymore then what might I have to feel? What might I have to accept? What loss might I have to accept? Because as long as I'm still fighting, there's not a loss. You know, I don't have to deal with the grief. I can stay pissed. Hmm. Yeah, if I, if I can no longer hide in my anger... What would I have to feel? I said it today, you know, when we don't forgive, we become the perpetrator and the victim. No matter what the situation is, it's like we just keep showing up to the practice of it, man. Because I don't know how long it takes. You know, I know there's different levels of forgiveness. I, I know that I've tried to forgive and I thought I was totally forgiven. And then I looked again and there was still more there. And I was like, wow. Wow. It seemed like I have come such a long way. And then there's still stuff to practice with. It opens us back up into just how vulnerable we are, you know? And that's a, a scary place to be after you've been hurt, you know? Because people die, people betray us, we mess up. You know, even with our best intentions, we still act unskillfully and hurt each other. Forgiveness turns out to be knowing that even with our best intentions, yeah. Yeah, 
I wrote a couple paragraphs about this. How we, it's forgiveness is simply like opening to those places in yourself the same qualities that you find in other people, right? So the unskillfulness that you find in yourself, you find out there. And how we all, any of us, could get lost in the shadows. Man, I find myself on that side all the time. It's like, wow, bro, you're really scared right now. And you can't be mad at somebody for being scared. You know what I mean? Like if a little kid's telling you he's scared, what do you do? You just kind of hang out with him, you know? You don't blame him. He's not wrong. He's just scared. How, just like yourself, another person might have got lost in the shadows of a frightened and confused mind. Yeah, man. So once we start like practicing with this and we start feeling a little bit of movement, as soon as there's some space in there, there's all kinds of space for other people to 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 be wrong or to mess up or be unskillful or do the things that we do, you know? Longfellow writes, If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. Everybody's doing the best they can. Can you believe that? It's so hard to believe. I mean, I know I am. Right? I know I am. I know I'm doing the best I can. This is as good as it gets. You know what I mean? Like I am. It's 100%, Jack. But when I look at my, you know, at my childhood or my father as being a father, I'm like, come on, dog. This is the best you got? For real? And, and actually, if you're really with that in an honest way, the response should be compassion. It's just like, wow, what were you given? Like, what was that relationship like with your father that, that this is what you think being a father is? Oh, man. Oh, man, that tenderizes my heart, you know? Because it's just like, wow. You know, the question becomes, what was the pain that this person was in that allowed them to do this? That's the real question. That's like the... That's where the compassion comes in. It's just like... We know that the only time we hurt people is out of our ignorance and confusion. So it's just like, out of our pain, right? Narls Barkley said, hurt people, hurt people, you know? It's true, you know? We don't do it out of malice or out of, like, uh, just to see somebody suffer. We're doing it because we're super confused. We're hurt. There's a story of this, this puppy, you know? And it's, you know, wailing, you know, and... Go over to pet it, and it tries to bite you. And you know, the first reaction I generally have to that is, you know, you want to teach it a lesson and give it a little smack, you know? 
but upon further like investigation you see his leg is caught in a trap and he's so desperately trying to get out of this trap that he's attacking anybody that the very people that might help it to get free because he's in so much pain when I think about like the 300 pound gorilla that's in my forgiveness that I'm like no way that's what I think about I'm like wow man and you know even from the no way place it's moved way over even through the maybe into the yes I'm willing to work with this because it's not saying I'm willing to let it go because I don't know if that's true yet I know that I'm ready to show up and care for it. Wherever I find myself in the process, I'm willing to don't to like uh, dedicate part of my practice to that freedom in particular. And it works. This year, I called my father and told him on Father's Day, I guess it was last year now, been that long. And I told him that if I, if one of us died, I feel pretty clean with him. This is a dude that I, uh, yeah, I, I prayed for his death. This is a dude I wanted to literally murder. me years to even imagine letting him back into my heart. That's why when Martin asked me what I wanted to do here, it's easy for me to, to know what I would like to offer all of us. It's just a possibility of freedom. Then it became about like, okay, can I forgive myself for holding on for all these years? And what parts of, can I forgive about myself that I just projected onto him, right? There's all these different reflections that I dragged through my relationships, through my jobs, through my family. was always there you know right underneath and it would uh, manifest as like uh, edginess sharpness with people you know uh, quick to judge that inner critic very you know always uh, looking at what's wrong and that's kind of the, the heartbreaker of being a teacher because you see people that are stuck in that and they just can't believe you. Not yet, because that's not in the process they're in. So you sit there and you try to assure them that it's, it's possible. If it's possible for me, it's possible for anybody. You know?
know, it was a real turning point in my practice. And I read these words. It said, evil has no place in the recesses of, recesses of our heart. But blindness, self-protection, twisted through the distorted lens of ignorance and fear, this we can understand. I'm going to read it again. We're on the same page. Totally can. Evil has no place in the recesses of our heart, but blindness... Self-protection twisted through the distorted lens of ignorance and fear. Self-protection twisted through the distorted lens of ignorance and fear. I could see that. I can totally see that. I can understand that. On a different level than somebody just being shitty, you know, or somebody being really mean or whatever it's just like wow is that what's happening in there and my heart became tenderized by that truth sitting with that compassion touching that wound and allowing allowing the compassion to just yeah just tenderize it can we see what's happening and hold it with compassion. This is the practice. We see the actors that harmed us as suffering beings. We see ourselves when we've been unskillful as suffering beings. It's not an excuse, it's what was happening. That's what's happening. This Russian writer writes, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But then the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who's willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? Let's check in, see if you're still breathing. It really is like walking in the door for me. It wasn't always like that, but now it's such a relief. I, I spent my whole life trying to figure out how to make things agreeable, you know, like how to make a, a little place for myself or a a community that I could be loved in or a job that I was proud of or, you know, trying to figure out how to make this life comfortable. And now it's just like almost any condition there's a still a feeling of relief of like, yeah, man, this is perfect. 
This is perfect. <coughs> My life hasn't even changed that drastically in the last 10 years. But my relationship to my life has completely changed. <coughs> yeah, it's just hell of more pleasant. I'm going to end with a... I guess it's a poem. It's called A Prayer for the Children. We pray for the children who sneak popsicles before supper, who erase holes in math workbooks, who can never find their shoes. And we pray for those who stare at photographers from behind barbed wire, who can't bound down the street in a new pair of sneakers, who never counted potatoes, who are born in places where we wouldn't be caught dead, who never go to the circle, circus, who live in an X-rated world. We pray for children who bring us sticky kisses and fistfuls of dandelions, who hug us in a hurry and forget their lunch money. And we pray for those who never get dessert, who have, who have no safe blanket to drag behind them, who watch their parents watch them die who can't find any bread to steal, who don't have any rooms to clean up, whose pictures aren't on anybody's dresser. Whose monsters are real. We pray for children who spend all their allowance before Tuesday, who throw tantrums in the grocery store and pick at their food, who like ghost stories, who shove dirty clothes under the bed, who never rise, never rinse out the tub, who gets visits from the tooth fairy, who don't like to be kissed in front of the carpool, who squirm in church and scream in the phone, whose tears we sometimes laugh at, and whose smiles sometimes can make us cry. And we pray for those whose nightmares come in the daytime, who will eat anything, who have never seen a dentist, who aren't spoiled by anybody, who go to bed hungry and cry themselves to sleep, who live and move but have no being. We pray for children who want to be carried and for those who must, who we never give up on, and for those who don't get a second chance, for those we smother and for those who will grab the hand of anybody kind enough to offer it. Forgiveness is a deep act of compassion for ourselves and for the world that we live in.
So allowing whatever's in your heart right now to be there. To be intimate with whatever is true. To tend toward this moment with care and attention. Wherever you're at in this process, don't use it as another arena for self-judgment. This is not an evaluation. We meet ourselves where we're at, and we work on that place. If freedom exists, it can only exist in this moment. So be gentle with yourselves tonight, and whatever's arising. Thank you for your time and attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.